0: Hello and welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Katie Halper.
1: And I'm Matt Taibbi.
0: And uh, an intense day we are living, gathering on the day before the general election.
1: It's intense because it's the day before the election? Yes. Not for any other reason.
0: Not really. I mean, yes. Yeah. The other reason? Because we're doing a great live event.
1: Oh, that. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. With Tenace, which we're very excited about.
1: We're breaking Um, new ground.
0: We're breaking new ground. We're busting out
1: of our old mold
0: mold we're breaking paradigms we're exploding labels and genres we're putting them in a blender
1: (laughs) with the caterpillars
0: yeah with caterpillars yeah uh
1: right which well which is ironic because our guest is something of a genre smasher herself
0: she is and of course we are speaking of none other than tinashe who is a multi-platinum certified r&b disruptor singer writer and dancer who produces mixes engineers creative directs and edits um and her latest album song for you is a multi-track composition featuring the likes of heavy hitters jeezy black miss banks and more and that's a great album it dropped in november and she's just working on more stuff because that that's what she does she creates she is a creative and a creator
1: it sounds like somebody who is worth talking to right
0: definitely and that's what we're gonna do right now and not only that but if you're watching this, yap. Yeah, we want you to yap. What do we mean by yap? We mean you you hit the the thing below what you're watching right now, right here, and uh, record a, a video or an audio with your questions or comments. That's what we. That's called a yap, and we will uh, play it during the show.
1: So uh, yap, uh, and uh, and tune in and let's let's talk it to Tanasha.
0: Tinashe, thanks so much for coming.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So we're going to take some questions uh, for you from the audience, but we want to just start talking about today with you, uh, politics, what you're thinking, feeling, doing, um, given that tomorrow is an election.
2: Yes, I'm actually so excited. I don't know. I woke up this morning and I just, I feel, I just feel it. I feel like it's going to go Biden-Harris and I, I, I'm excited about that. You know, I've been waiting for this election to happen. I guess all year, the anticipation has been killing me, to say the least. So it's going to be really, really satisfying. I think tomorrow we. Well, I don't know if we'll find out the results
3: tomorrow. Right? Yeah, that's
1: that was going to be my question. Like, what's what's your expectation in terms of? Are we actually going to get a result tomorrow, and how frustrating will it be? If, how many how many days will you be able to take it? If I. Haven't?
2: Hmm, I don't know. I just, you know, I have a feeling. So I think we're just, I think we're going to know within 36 hours. I think it's not going to be as long as they think that it's going to be or as contentious as they think it's going to be. I'm really optimistic. I I don't think, I mean, obviously there's some mail-in votes that we think we still will have to count that might take a little bit longer, but I think everyone's really anxious to find out the outcome of this election. I don't think people are going to be dilly-dallying around the result
0: you got the Tanache timetable yeah we're we're first. you
2: guys yeah. yeah, think it's going to be drawn out
1: or, or i think it's very possible i mean um there could also be litigation we have some a whole bunch of these states where they're accepting votes that are going to be postmarked after the election so if any of those states are close i mean it, it, it could be a long night the only thing that will stop it from being a long night is if it's a complete blowout
0: Right, and right.
1: which is possible right especially
0: yeah. now that Tanache is you know getting at the vote on this show
1: right yes that that platform will, could be a real will, game changer that will tilt it Absolutely. yeah that'll, that'll
0: tip it Or yeah oh, i mean oh, oh. good yeah also didn't they aren't they not counting um votes that are mailed by the date if they don't arrive by the date they decided no, that in wisconsin state to state
2: oh yeah
0: yeah state-to-state, state-to-state. sorry yeah but they decided that about wisconsin last week i think right
1: yeah, I, there are still some states though that are accepting there post, post date postmarked.
2: Yeah, I heard today uh, that Pennsylvania was one of them that yeah. would continue to count.
1: And Pennsylvania's yeah, so it's, it's, it could be it could be very very strange. So, yeah. uh, what, what have you been doing at the national year in terms of? I mean, I've I've seen the you know articles where you talked about getting out the vote, but what, yeah. how have you been involved?
2: Well, I mean, this year has been, I think, really kind of crazy for all of us. I think wake up call. And for me, especially, I think as an entertainer, someone who's a public figure um, and just realizing that like there's so much more important things than what's happening maybe currently inside of your day to day bubble, because I think it's easy to kind of always go through the motions. We have our jobs. We have our careers. We're we trying. At least for me, I was traveling all the time. I was always in different countries and different things like that. So it's hard to focus all the time on these political issues or these things that are actually so important. Um, And so I think that this year with everybody slowing down big time and just being at home and having so much time to reflect and really think about things, I think it's been um, the perfect storm to kind of create this 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 really high contentious political um, environment and i think it's important though that we that we are all taking the time to really think through these things and have these discussions and and focus on these issues instead of just kind of going through our day-to-day lives cuz it's really easy to just be like whatever I, i'm busy i don't have time for politics <laughs> You know, so I don't think you could avoid it this year. It was unavoidable. Um, But yeah, to answer your question, I just totally did not answer your question. That's okay. (laughs) Uh, What have I been doing this year to, I mean, obviously early, I obviously felt really connected to it personally as a black woman and wanting to just, you know, have justice for George Floyd, justice for Breonna Taylor. That was, I mean, I'm still very upset with how that case is all kind of panned out um and and that was like the real kind of underlying core of my heart this year you know i recorded a lot of music i I wasn't able to go on tour like i wanted to i recorded a lot of new music and and was still able to kind of work on my career but i was really more focused on how i was able to spread the word, get, you know, the the real truth about what Black Lives Matter really stands for across to my fans as a public figure, my responsibility just to kind of explain my point of view on things that matter to me. So that's what I've been focused on most of the year and try to balance that.
0: Have you had any experiences where you've explained what Black Lives Matter means to you and people have responded and said, oh, wow, I didn't see it that way. And now that you've said it that way, it's changed the way I see it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's come more from my personal conversations that I've had, um, more so than online. I don't think I've, it's hard to kind of see that depth of banter on, on social media. Right. Um, but with, yeah, with my personal relationships, like maybe even um, family members, it was really kind of enlightening to see uh, people just see a different perspective than they maybe had before, or just kind of put um, these real ethical human core issues above maybe some of their other political points of view, which I thought was like a really key um, revelation that we came to this year was that these things kind of, they overlap, you know, you can have these kind of your political point of view, you could be Republican, you could Democrat, but when it comes to human rights, when it comes to the rights of black people, when it comes to the rights of women when when all these intersectional issues are happening um it kind of raises a bigger question like where are your where are your values truly and where are those priorities and So, yeah,
0: Um, I was reading an an interview and you talked about how you were political when you were younger and then you kind of got involved in your career and were focused on that. And then you became political or politicized again um, or returned to that realm. And um, I was wondering about your childhood and growing up. I know your parents are professors um, and how they shaped and they are not both of them were born abroad um, and how their experiences shaped your view of the world and politics
2: yeah well okay it's interesting i grew up in a, a mixed household so actually my mom was born in america but my dad was born in zimbabwe okay.
0: i thought she was so, scandinavian but that's just background not yeah, born okay
2: um, like second or third generation scandinavian okay. so yeah i mean immigrants still nonetheless definitely can trace back to coming to this country um at some point so it, it was really interesting for me kind of i feel like growing up in the in the mixed race household really had a core influence on on how I grew up in feeling very open-minded I guess in feeling like I never had to fit into one particular box and feeling like um my truth was something that I had to like be loud and proud and, and confident and I always had like a very clear sense of self and I think that um that that's been important in how I've kind of grown to be uh, involved or or to care about politics, because I think it it's something uh, that has allowed me to see multiple points of view and has allowed me to kind of make these decisions about life and society from like an earlier age than maybe other people have had to deal with it. So growing up,
0: <laughs> a right. black
2: woman, those kind of things that you deal with, you just start thinking about these things.
0: So. What do your parents profess not to nerd out, but
2: my mom is a physical therapy professor and a physical therapist, and my dad is a theater professor, so oh, wow. he's more on the entertainment side of things, so. And he's anyway. from Zimbabwe? Yeah, he's from Zimbabwe. I he came know. over here when he was very young, but yeah, didn't become a citizen until, you know, not too long ago. I asked him how many elections he'd voted in the other day, and he
1: was like, I don't know,
2: like three. Oh, wow.
1: We, we were joking about this at the top of the show, but uh, you did give an interview to Rolling Stone. We were talking about uh, you know potentially abolishing genres. Yes. Uh, that, but I was really interested in, in some of your comments. Can you talk a little bit about how um, how, how marketing a- in entertainment affects uh, the creative process and experimentation? I mean, obviously, it's it's got to be difficult to, to do songwriting. If you know, it has to fit in box A or box B or box C in order mm-hmm. to be sold. Um, can you talk about that problem and what, what if anything, can be done to fix that?
2: Um, again, I think this kind of ties into what I was just saying about like n- I never felt like I had to fit into a box. So when I kind of got involved in the major label system, I was very kind of confused. Didn't really anticipate that being an issue that I didn't fit into a particular box in terms of genre. Um, I think my music was always, in my opinion, um, I guess the closest thing I could describe was like pop with a rhythm, like rhythmically rooted in R&B. And there was this core R&B element, but I never saw myself as like a hip hop artist or an R&B artist, which is really interesting because when I first got to the label, that was kind of where I was pushed towards. And I had a real aversion to that and felt like that was, there was like a ceiling to that label Um, because I wanted to be with the same in terms of budgeting and in terms of how uh, artists are promoted at labels, the pop are acts typically get the biggest promotional budget. They typically get the most, you know, radio play. They typically get the most live television performances and things like that. So when coming into these situations, I saw this like, well, I obviously want to be in these circles. I obviously want to play in this playing field. And I think that that affected my decisions um, in terms of how I was going about being a creative because I was then kind of being a little bit more calculating, like, okay, this is what they want to hear. This is what will work. This is what they'll get behind. And um, you kind of lose yourself a little bit in terms of just the freedom that you feel as a creative before signing to that major. So I, now that I'm independent again, I, I left that record label. I've been I just felt so much more free, so much more myself, true to myself. And I think, yeah, that's kind of tied in perfectly with this this year and this political environment, because I can be very outspoken. I do not fear any repercussions. I, I'm, I'm, you know, true to myself, 100 percent.
1: So. That's right, because it's not just musically about staying within a certain format. They also want you to behave a certain way, right? If you...
2: Absolutely. It's it, it kind of especially growing up in this era or kind of being a public figure in this era, there's the, the persona that you kind of have to portray uh, that goes along with your art. It's not just about the music at all. It's about what you post on social media. It's about who you're seen with. It's about, you know, who you date, what you wear. Um, And I I guess I I always thought that that would be a factor, but I didn't factor it in as more important or even equally important to the music itself. And that was always kind of what drove me. So kind of just now focusing again on music and and fulfilling myself and again, being true to myself has been been the way to go, at least for now.
0: So uh, we want to give uh, people the chance to have their yaps heard and seen. I think we have our first yap, um, which we can play. If you're ready, Tanasha, to take on the...
3: Hello. Thank you, Rolling Stone and Yappa, for putting this on. What a cool event. And I do have a very particular question. I think that so many people are trying to almost prepare for how they're going to feel. Either way, right? Whether they're going to be celebrating or... Um, for some people, grieving, I guess, is the word, um, depending on what the outcomes are for the election. So, I would love to hear from you guys. What are your suggestions as we enter into this very divisive election where it really is definitively a winner and a loser? How do you encourage those who feel that they lost to bounce back, to move forward? And how do you encourage them to maybe create change or Um, you know, have an impact in the way that they were hoping that their um, losing candidate was going to be able to do. I think that will help us all process our next day walk of shame, depending on which side we're on. So thank you for hearing uh, my question and look forward to hearing your perspective.
1: Not sure you want to start with that one.
2: I particularly don't want to
1: Just <laughs> yeah. create
2: the mindset that this is going to happen in any type of negative way at least from my perspective so i'm not even going there mentally i'm projecting good vibes i'm projecting W's only dubs all wins i, I feel good i'm not even gonna once i once I, once i cross that bridge i'll get there but i'm not like pre-planning like my my losing election or anything like that <laughs> yeah uh, i hope if anything the biggest thing that i hope is that we all just remain calm i suppose and that there's no violence i think everybody boarding up all of the stores and stuff is pretty scary
1: it is it's like a hurricane yeah
2: yeah. i don't know what's up with that i just saw that like rodeo drive in l.a is gonna be closed for like a week like i've never heard of anything like this happening before so that's kind of scary yeah. But what do you guys think
0: the way that the question struck me was I couldn't tell if she was anticipating a Biden loss. It kind of felt that way. too. That me. way. Right. Because if it's a Trump loss, I don't know if I want to give people advice on how to. Yeah, I'm going to be like, Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think we need to make sure that there's some kind of, you know, we don't want to necessarily like we don't want to destabilize things. Right. Um, and there's obviously a difference between like giving up conceding or, or giving up on points and principles and letting other people shape the the agenda. There's a difference between that and and kind of just being strategic about it and in a way. So we move forward with as with as much stability as possible. But yeah, that did seem like what are we going to do? I don't know. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it. Well, you feel positive about it, but I'm kind of like, I really hope that the second to least evil guy in the race (laughs) beats the more evil guy in the race.
1: Katie, I just going to say the, the, the lighting situation where you're, it's got know. that kind of, what's that, it's it's like that movie What Lies like Beneath an a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's...
0: You go like an angel, thank you. What what was the movie you said, Matt?
1: I'm thinking more of What Lies Beneath, that's that. You that... see,
0: look at the different perspectives. We got the glass <laughs> half full, the glass half empty. We got the angelic and then horror. And that is the yin and the yang of this world, yeah. What do you think, Matt, as someone who's, camp, you know, has covered the trail and seen Trump and Biden?
1: So being, be, in, being yeah. like significantly older than everybody else here. Um,
0: when you yeah. covered McKinley, what was it like?
1: <laughs> yeah, back in 1896, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, one thing I would say is that people are always surprised to find out how little changes uh, at the uh, executive branch level. Um, no matter who wins the presidency, there's a lot that can change when the Senate changes hands and uh, the House changes hands, and the Senate might flip uh, tomorrow. But um, nice. you know, there's a lot that kind of just keeps going, uh, you know, by inertia in the executive branch. But but Trump is, of course, different. You know, his his presidency is different in so many ways that are like, completely unpredictable. Uh, he's he hasn't done a lot of things that people have predicted from him, like, you know, wide scale political arrests or, you know, dictatorial madness. But um, he's certainly capable of all kinds of insane behavior. So that that kind of dulls that argument a little bit. But, you know, not, not a whole lot changes.
0: Well, speaking of not a whole lot of changes, did you guys see this mini controversy with John Mulaney, uh, who is hosting Saturday Night Live on Saturday night? Yeah. Okay. Uh, He's really a really funny comedian. And he was doing this opening about, um, uh, actually the funniest part of the bit was when he was saying how much he misses being in New York City and walking around because um, you overhear great stuff. And he was saying he was like um, in the West Village walking past a guy who was on his cell phone. The guy was like, oh, I can't make it. I'm all the way uptown right now. And then like gave him a wink. (laughs) But um, the, the thing he said that's relevant to our discussion is that he said something about the elections. He's like, nothing will change. And people were really, really angry. And I think, of course, like there is there's some truth to that. There's also, I think, like, no matter how critical you are of the Democrats and Biden from the left, as I am, I, you ha- I, of course, acknowledge there will be a difference. But what was interesting was that people were so angry about his saying that. And of course, I mean, Biden himself told a group of donors nothing would fundamentally change. Right. So I was yeah. just like, well, he's just saying
2: that part out loud. But yeah. um no I, I think I understand where I feel like the frustration comes from because me ex- as an example we just want to kind of project this positive energy that like everything's right. going to be fine like don't talk about it don't speak that kind of stuff into the universe like we all know that there are some issues on the democratic side there definitely are some things that we need to still delve into especially I think after this election right. I hope that we can be even more critical of of some of the stances that they've taken, especially some of the kind of middle ground stances that I personally have issues with. But um, my I've I got tunnel yeah. vision. Right. My eyes are on the prize. We got to get Trump out. Period. Let's not even talk about the you know
0: you. I read a really interesting interview where you came out as bisexual. I believe it was in August.
2: Yeah. Gay times.
0: Um, gay in the gay times. And um, what I thought was interesting was like your your decision to do it more more than your decision to do it. I, I, I was curious about your reluctance to do it, um, mm-hmm. which didn't seem to come. Wasn't like the kind of more traditional, typical. I don't want to rock the boat and come out. It was a little right. different. If You could just share about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think to me, when you say bisexual, it's very nuanced to people in terms of how they feel about it. Um, I know growing up, like when I would say that to my parents, they would. They didn't really understand that maybe it's not like a 50 50 thing, that there's some type of scale, that there's some type of. like they didn't really believe it could exist. Like maybe that just means you're gay. And for me, that has absolutely not been my experience at all. And as I've kind of grown up, I've also realized that when you, especially as a music artist and a young woman who oftentimes can be, I guess, a sex symbol mm-hmm. or seen as somebody who's like a sex symbol, I think when you say that you're bisexual, people kind of look at it on with this real sexualized undertone. Right. Um, that like, maybe you're just saying it for attention. Maybe you're just saying it because men somehow find it right. sexy um, or something. And uh, so I've kind of shied away from, you know, kind of putting myself in that box. But again, I just in general don't really like labels. So that's also why I'm just kind of like, eh, like, why well, put a title on it. I just like love people. <laughs> but um, I do think that it's important for other people who are bisexual and other people who just again have some type of on some type of scale um an attraction towards the both right. two sexes um i think that you can just kind of be honest about that and and kind of just kind of de de-stigmatize it
0: yeah when, I, when you said that I rem- I, a lot of my like gay male friends will say if someone's bi they're like buy now gay later
2: right like, mm-hmm. That's but not it's a funny line
0: but it's not always true. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah,
0: it yeah. So there's a and lot of And I think it of- can
2: validate people who are also attracted to people on different like I said different levels as well. Like I couldn't see myself, you know, maybe like I don't see a woman being in my life as long term like I do with a man. But that could potentially, I mean, you never know, but I definitely look at my stay, attractions stay long enough
0: it may change. Let me tell you, as a
2: woman, you never know. You never know. Never say never. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I understand. And it's also this weird thing where it's like if, you, if someone says they're bisexual, then all of a sudden it's like it hypersexualizes the person. So they just want to have sex with anyone and everyone and anything in the room. It's like, no, people have tastes and attractions. That doesn't stop right. just because you're not I- exclusively into one gender.
2: And I'm super picky in general. So that yeah. like doesn't. Right add up right if you look at it like it doesn't add up right it's, it's my truth so we have yeah. to be honest about these things it's 2020 let's be real right
0: did you get any pushback did you get positive reinforcement with that yeah or? i
2: don't think i got i got it people were pretty open to the conversation i think like i said it's 2020 there's bigger problems there's bigger right. issues we're dealing with some other things so yeah, even my grandma. She was showing all her friends. She was like, "Look at, look at her new magazine, Gay Times." Time.
0: <laughs> you were a, a performer from a very young age. Was that? Do you remember wanting to do that? Do you remember, like, what? Yeah, do you moments yes. where you were watching something or like, I want to do that?
2: There was never like one moment that clicked. Yeah. I think I always just had that personality and uh, my parents nurtured it I would never say like I ever felt like they made me do anything by any means like I wanted to do all the things I wanted to go to the auditions I wanted to be on stage I was always like singing and directing plays with like my siblings and neighbors so it was just in me I never remember a decision because it was just something I kind of always knew that core intuition which I feel like I realized later on is, I guess, rare uh, that people know what they want to do forever. <laughs> but that's how I felt.
0: Matt, did you wake up like, well, I mean, not wake up. Did you, were you born with like typing uh, oh,
1: typewriter
0: on a typewriter?
1: Yeah, I, I would say pre- pretty early. I Never was really just really any... temple, but <laughs>
0: I would watch her and lean on the table. My parents tell me and try to do her footwork, but I didn't pursue that. <laughs> you didn't?
2: You didn't stick to it?
1: No. <laughs> you, you changed your management team last year. Was that connected with the, the label change?
2: Yeah, or, I mean, or... it was kind of just an era of change in my life. I felt like I needed to just shake the whole table and ground up, kind of restructure everything that was happening in terms of my career at the time so it made sense i changed lawyers i changed business man i didn't change lawyers actually i changed well i did i changed lawyers i changed business managers i changed stylists hair and makeup managers label across the board cleaned it up and uh it just felt right like everything was pointing
1: towards and precipitating incident that led to all that or you know
2: I think it was just that stagnant energy um with my last album the previous album that I released Joyride I I think I told people about it in like 2016 didn't come out till like 20 no it might have been even before that I think I told them about it in 15 and it didn't come out until 2018 So there was like a three-year period where I just felt like I was really dragging. I felt like I wasn't aligned with what I was supposed to be doing. I was really frustrated all the time with every release. I wanted to release stuff. Other people didn't want to release things. We were butting heads. It just wasn't right for the last maybe three years of my relationship with that label and I was at, you know, simultaneously with my same management and core people for the same amount of time. Like I'm a really loyal person. I don't really switch up very easily. Like I find my people and I stick with my people long-term. So uh, when I finally came to terms with like, okay I need to make this decision. um, It kind of just made sense. Like, okay, go big or go home. Let's just, let's just do it.
1: How much autonomy do you have in terms of uh, when you're shooting your this is going to sound like an incredibly ignorant uh, question, but I, I don't get a chance to interview many musicians when you when you shoot a video. How much of of that is your idea versus the director? Do you, do you have a concept completely before you?
2: It depends on the song. Uh, usually I do. I have like a concept that I'll kind of present and then they'll. Um, when I was with a label, like they would give me a list of maybe different directors that they were interested in. Or if I had someone in mind that I really wanted to work with, I would be like, can we reach out to them and see what their budget schedule is? It's, I mean, that's a huge factor in, in filming videos. Um, but especially now that I'm an independent artist, the creative is always coming from me. I'm always, you know, the core person that is coming up with the concepts. And then in terms of like little details, maybe when I collaborate with someone, they'll kind of bring those little details to the table. But in terms of like general concepts, I'm really working on everything. Um, But also, I guess there is the rare exception when you work with a director that has a very particular point of view, sometimes they will come to the table with like their own idea, and it'll be like better than mind you and know, i'll be like let's go with that idea like <laughs> that one seems seems good but yeah and then then in that case it's more of a collaborative process
0: so we have our speaking of collaborating we have our next yap video yes hi matt katie and tinashe love the podcast excited for today and uh i thrilled to be yapping with you right now I uh, wanted to find out your perspective on um, the national polls that have put Biden firmly ahead. But we know that it's states that elect our president. Um, I, I would love to get your opinion on the, the shy voters on either side that, that may have an influence on the ultimate outcome of this election and whether or not you feel like we have a better handle on it this year than we did in 2016. Thank you.
2: I mean, I think the high number of early voting turnout is encouraging slash exciting because it just shows the enthusiasm from people wanting to cast their vote. But I definitely don't think we should discount how many procrastinators there are in this world and how many people are just going to wait for Election Day. Um, So I don't think like the polls showing that Biden is in the lead means we have it in the back. That's just pure gut feeling that has nothing to do with. I don't think we should get distracted. We should not like let this make us feel comfortable. I think we all still need to make sure that everyone votes tomorrow and there will be a huge number of people voting for the first time tomorrow. So I think can get too comfy and
0: my fear is the the i've said this before and it's certainly not original but that um the people who will come out tomorrow a lot of them will be i think republican voters who are mm-hmm. not i mean a lot of dems are going to vote but i think in terms of the those who are less afraid of the of covid are tend to be republican
2: right that's true so yeah you they're all waiting for the day because they didn't feel like they had to mail it
0: yeah or there'll be people who are like on the fence but they you know they're going to go for trump and they're going to actually go out and do it as opposed to maybe people on the fence for who would maybe go for biden but they're like oh but there's a thing out there. there's this COVID thing out there i don't want to get
2: true i don't want people to see the numbers and then like right feel more pumped to vote right against it
0: i guess right 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 yeah we're, we're not gonna it, the biden's not gonna win guys yeah. Right. It's exactly. all good. Trump's gonna win. You can stay home. <laughs> so I just engaged in illegal voter suppression or something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think they obviously there 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 were so many errors last time um, that at least some of the polling agencies and we talked about this with our guest Ben Tulchin. They, they tried to adjust uh, somewhat in terms of how they asked the questions, but I still think there's um, a bit of a problem there you know uh there are some polling agencies that will tell you that the number of conservatives who just simply refuse to answer uh, right. a survey uh is is so much higher than the number of people than than the, the same kind Why of is questions that That's well, so there's there's a lot of reasons and some of them are interesting I mean, the conservatives uh feel that they, uh, they tend to be a lot more paranoid. Uh, they tend to think that a lot of the polling agencies are associated with uh, news agencies that they distrust. Um, they think a lot of the questions are skewed, right? So they, uh, and then there's also the, the issue that surveys take a long time, like the traditional per- polling survey is 25 questions long. So the person who's going to answer a poll is the kind of person who wants to, who really likes to talk about politics. So that kind of voter who doesn't really care all that much, um, that person tends to be really underrepresented. So even though most of the polls sh- showed that it's not going to be terribly close, there's still a couple that uh, are trying to account for that. And look, there's that one agency, Trafalgar, which uh, called it right last time, and, uh, and they have it a lot closer. Than, than everybody else. Oh, really? Yeah, and then you know, the, obviously the, the dynamic this year is gonna be flipped because usually the early voting helps Republicans and, and, and it's a, on the day turnout that decides it for Democrats. But this year, early voting is clearly favoring the Democrats but they think that because of COVID, uh, the turnout on the day of the election is actually gonna be heavily Republican. So it's going to it's going to be really weird. It's going to be difficult to figure out what the numbers mean, especially early, because we're probably going to turn on the TV tomorrow and see big Democratic leads in a lot of states. And then it's going to slide back is probably what we're going to see, which, you know, who knows what that means, but it'll be interesting.
2: I'm ready for it.
0: Yeah. What's uh? What is next for you, creatively, politically? I've been
2: working on uh, a new project since I've had all this free time. I, I really was expecting a tour this year. And touring looks like it's off the table for a while, um, if not a whole nother year. So I'm kind of mentally preparing for that and just creating new music. So I've I've made an entirely new album since then uh but i'm you know just still taking my time pacing myself because it's not like i don't feel like the ideal time for me to put it out right now i don't want to put out two projects and not be able to tour them you know like come on it's so sad not hear my songs in the club just doesn't
1: yeah i was gonna ask like how how does being home all the time affect the the creative process it's got to be a completely different
2: well, I'm lucky I have a home studio and I've always kind of been on the home studio vibe. Like, I've always preferred to record myself or to have just that really authentic, like, non-overproduced mentality when, I, when it comes to creating my music. So I never really liked going into, like, the big studios and, and being in, like, a really sterile environment. So it's worked out for me in that sense that I just record at home anyways so when I'm feeling really comfortable sometimes I feel like that's when the best stuff comes out so that's that's been nice but in terms of collaboration obviously a little bit more hesitant to even get in the room with some people because you don't know where these people are going on their free time but we make do
0: what was your last live uh, performance that you did did you and did you know it was going to be like your last one was it when was it
2: um That's a good question. It was probably around like February. Um I've done a lot of like Zoom performances and and VR performances since COVID has hit, and I actually did a VR performance like end of January. Um so I guess I was ahead of the curve. I didn't know <laughs> that we would have to do completely vr concerts this year um so i've done a couple of those this year but yeah pretty much no touring this year no shows which is a bummer because i just released this whole project that i was really passionate about really excited about amped to tour it and you know being on stage is a huge part of who i am as an artist because i dance i have like all this you know component this live component that's really important so it's been a
0: bummer uh, and, um, what are you most looking forward to, um, like demanding change around? What do you, what do you hope if, if, if Biden wins, what do you hope, like he can be pushed to do?
2: I mean, there's definitely some issues that I think we need to get really specific on, um, Women's rights, obviously, just the things that coronavirus has affected, like jobs, the economy, things like that, how we're going to end this pandemic, maybe doing things on a national scale that'll make sure that we aren't doing this forever. I think that would be smart and advantageous. Um, I would just like a real aggressive, you know, out the gate stance on on a lot of these things i i hoping i'm hoping that we get it i'm not counting on it necessarily but i'm really hoping that next year is way better than this year it can't be it can't be worse than this
1: year let's be honest
2: yeah i
0: mean
1: yeah Yeah. this this has been a this year is it's been unbelievably horrible
2: we're gonna remember this one for yeah Yeah, I just I hope
0: don't. we don't then look back and be like, wow, we thought it was bad in 2020 no. getting any worse. And then That's we're in 2024 true. and we're like, wow, I can't <laughs> believe we said that 2020.
1: Remember the salad days of 2020? Remember
2: when we were just on Zoom? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It couldn't Safe. be any
1: worse. Right.
0: Yeah. And uh, last question for me is... Um, Anything that you're doing or you want to encourage other people do, to do to like express their voices or get their own voices heard or um, amplify other people's voices?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously right now it's, it's kind of late in terms of getting people to vote. If you haven't voted yet, what are you doing? But definitely make sure that you encourage the immediate family members who have not to do it. I think that's obviously our first order of operations. And then I think once this election happens, we continue to have these discussions. We don't get complacent um, about the issues. And we continue to be motivated by everything that we've learned this year. We'd really take the lessons that we've learned and, and move forward um, with all of that in mind. And, and just kind of put it behind us. I feel like a lot of people have put like coronavirus behind us, which is so silly because all the case are only
1: only is up. Isn't it more ahead of us than behind? Yeah,
2: us? it absolutely is. But people's mentalities have completely flipped, which is bizarre to me. So I hope that that doesn't happen with the political landscape too. Like we're we're done. Right. We're out of the woods because yeah, we yeah. still have a lot of work to do.
1: Yeah. Well, Tanashi, thank you so much for 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 doing this with us and come yes. back.
2: Come back. I will. Great. <laughs> thank,
0: thank you. you.